Well, good morning and happy Easter. Okay, let's try one. Can we take one more try at that? Happy Easter. Okay, there we go. We almost halfway believe it. Super to see everybody here today. Welcome to the Heights. And let me say thank you. Thank you for coming to the Heights and being a part of our worship, being a part of our traffic, uh, being a part of the very few chairs that we have left. But uh, sure excited that you're here. You know, we're, we're gathering this weekend over two campuses, two days, six services, but around one great truth, right? Jesus Christ is alive. We gather around that truth today. So thank you so much for being here. I I hope your time this morning is just going to be an encouragement to you, a blessing to you. I, I pray that your time here fills you with hope. Boy, hope. You know, that that's that belief, that that confident belief that it can still happen. That that confident belief that it can still get better. Man, that's a powerful belief. It literally gives strength, gives strength to your body and to your soul. Man, that's what gives us the ability to sometimes put on a smile in the most difficult of situations. It's what gives us the ability to get up and go one more time. You know, there may be nothing more powerful going on inside us than hope. And and there may be nothing more devastating than when we lose that. I, I would imagine across this large room, even those joining us through the internet right now, man, there's plenty of people that have had a moment, a place, a situation in life where you lost hope, right? Maybe you're sitting in a hospital room and they closed their eyes. Maybe you were sitting in a family room and they got up and walked out. Maybe it came in a, in a phone call or a, or a text but, but when it happened, I mean, you'd believed so much, you had worked towards so much, you wanted so much, but then boom, like that, I mean, it's just over. There's no more hope, it's gone. Have you had a moment like that? Have you experienced that emotion? You know, if you have, I, I kind of wonder how that moment that you and I might have experienced, I wonder how that would c- compare to those individuals that stood there at the cross that day. I've got a couple of individuals in Scripture that I'm, I'm thinking about, that I'm wondering what it would have been like for them. And, and, and I don't know that they were actually standing right at the cross. They, they, they might have been off at a distance, view, viewing it from a distance, Maybe they didn't see it, they, they, they just heard because news was traveling so quickly. Man, they've, they've killed the prophet. They, they, they've crucified Jesus. How would that hit your ears if it was your 12-year-old that he had raised to life? If it was your eyes that he had given sight to? If it was you that he reached down and, and lifted up out of the dirt of shame to give you a, a, a love and an acceptance you, you didn't even think was possible for you to experience. You see, in those moments, I think Jesus not only fulfilled a hope in their lives, I, I think he blew open wide their mind on more hope than they ever dreamed possible. 
I mean, after what they experienced in that moment, after what they walked through with him in that moment, I think they've got more hope now than ever before. What would you not believe is possible? I mean, after walking with Jesus through a situation like you, man, everything is possible. Jesus is the answer to everything. You'd see him as the answer to, to disease and to depression, to, to poverty, to what's going on in your marriage, to what's going on with your kid. You'd see him as the answer to, 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 to fear and to worry. I mean, he, what would he not be the answer to? Except now he's dead. And gosh, it, it happened so fast. I mean, you, you, you knew that he was rubbing the leadership the wrong way, but you just, you just kind of chalked it up to politics. You don't pay any attention to it anyway. But now you find out, and he was... He was arrested. He was arrested Thursday night. And by Friday afternoon, there's already been a, 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 a trial, a conviction, a condemnation, an execution. He's dead. You had hoped maybe more than you had ever hoped before. And I kind of make it sound like, well, it was just kind of dependent on those few that had maybe received or experienced a miracle. But you know, the, the, the scripture actually tells us that you didn't have to receive a miracle to be in awe. They said they were in awe of just listening to him teach. You know, when he talked about, about God, about life, about death, when he talked about marriage, when he talked about fear and worry, when he talked about money, just... It just made sense. You'd never heard that kind of clarity, that kind of simplicity. You're in awe. And, but of course, now he's, he's dead, right? Whatever hope, that, that growing hope, it just doesn't matter anymore. You know, we, I want to try to imagine what it would have been like for them that, that saw it and watched him die. But we don't have to imagine Man, the scriptures give us some first-hand accounts of, of people that were there and, that, and they walked through that and they experienced that and where that left them when their hope died. I, I want to read one of those stories for you this morning. It's in Luke chapter 24. If you have a Bible, I hope you'll open up there with me. Luke chapter 24, there in your New Testament. Luke 24 verse 13 and as we read as we prepare to read this story I kind of want us to understand where we are in the events what's the the context so Jesus of course was crucified on Friday right and, and so now it's Sunday and it's probably after lunch two three o'clock it's after lunch and it's already been a, a pretty wild Sunday as far as Sundays go because there was a report and it had been confirmed his, his body is missing. I mean, by this point, people have gone out to the tomb and, and Jesus, his body is, is gone. I mean, that would, that would be unsettling, right? If this is somebody you love, somebody you've, you've believed in and, and now the body's gone and, but, but bigger than that, there's kind of this, there's this rumor Hey, there's some people saying he's alive. There's some people saying they have seen him. Now, if, if I'm a follower of Jesus, if I'm a believer in Jesus, I, that'd be exciting, right? You'd, you'd be filled with hope all over again, right? Well, not the two we're about to read about. They, they, they were not immediately filled with hope. They were not immediately excited. And you might, man, how could you not, how could that not be good news for you? But I mean, you know, first of all, the report of somebody coming out of the grave, not normal, right? 
That, that's not a normal thing we're quick to believe in. Don't have a lot of experience with that. But I think maybe even more than just not being sure if that could really happen, I, I wonder if their hopes had been so crushed, they were guarding themselves from hoping again. Do some of you know what that is? I know you do. There, there's some people in here right now, you, you, you've, you've so hoped... And that hope failed, and it was so hurtful, it was so devastating. You, you have lived life now, you're guarded against believing like that again. You're guarded against hoping. You don't want to be hurt again like that. Maybe that's where these two guys are. So they're, they're leaving Jerusalem, and they're heading to this little village called Emmaus. Let, let me just go ahead and start reading this story. Chapter 24 of Luke, verse 13. That same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. So, okay, keep in mind, everything we read now, this is just a stranger that has come on them. He asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short, sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, do you live under a rock? Well, that's not actually what he said. But I mean, it was. He, he said it like this. You must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened there in the last few days. Jesus asked, what things? The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they, they said he was a prophet who did powerful miracles and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and, and all the people. But our leading priest and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and they crucified him. We had hoped, we had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. Did you hear that, that phrase, those three words? We had hoped. I mean, we're not anymore, right? Had hope, past tense. We'd had hoped. We, we had a lot of reason to hope, but, but, but not anymore. He, he, he's dead. You know, folks, I, I, I think we got to, and I'm repeating myself here some, but really grasp what was building in their mind, what was growing in their mind as they, they watched Jesus. They, they heard him teach about God in a way that was incomparable. They, they watched him raise the dead. They, they watched him feed thousands of people. They, they saw him restore sight to, their eye, to people's eyes. They, they watched him answer questions perfectly and, and by the way all these things I just rattled off they're historically verifiable don't don't mistake that we're gathering this weekend to discuss the the legend that we call Jesus no these are real events real people and, and, and yes, we find the detail and a lot of that inside the scriptures, but even outside the scriptures. We can go to, to Roman historical documents, Jewish historical documents, documents that did not have as their purpose promoting Christianity, documents that did not have as their purpose proving a Jesus, a, a, a Christ. They're just simply recording the events and what was going on and what people were saying. See, these are, these are real people. 
people just like you, they, they go home at the end of the day with the same tiredness. They go home at the end of the day wanting the same things, wishing for the same things. They have some of the same fears and worries and, and frustrations. And, and they had a hope and that hope was growing and it, and it was growing. Except now he's, he's dead. Let's continue reading. Verse 22. Then some women from our group of his followers were at his tomb early this morning and they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing and they had seen angels. Angels who told them that, that Jesus is alive. Well, some of our men ran out to see and sure enough, his body was gone just as the women said. Then Jesus said to them, you fools. <laughs> what? You fools. You find it so hard to believe all the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. You know, I find this one of the more comical exchanges in scripture, right? I mean, here these guys are, they're distraught, they're broken. I mean, in their mind, this is just a stranger that is, has walked up on them. And, and I mean, think about this, they're so broken, they're crying on his shoulder. They, they don't even know the guy, and it's just like they walk them, blah, just all their emotion and feelings. And in all that distraughtness, Jesus looks at him and says, you're a couple fools, aren't you? Now, at this point, if I'm Cleopas... I'm looking at Jesus and, hey, pal, you can get out of the car whenever you want. Didn't actually invite you to come along. <laughs> Belief. Belief is a choice. But make no mistake, it is a choice that Jesus fully expects you to make. He expects you and I to place in Him all our faith, all our hope, no matter what's going on around us. Now, I mean, you think about some of the things that can go on around us and how that can challenge our faith. You know, you might say, well, well, why? How? How, how can He expect that? Of us. Why would he want that? Well, I, I would actually say there's a lot of reasons that the scriptures, that Jesus, that God could expect that of you and I. But if we stick to our story here, they, they offer one reason. Here, here's one reason you should hope and you should believe. Fulfilled prophecy. Personally, I, I find fulfilled prophecy to be one of the greatest pieces of evidence of the truthfulness of this book and the truthfulness about who Jesus Christ is. And, and so Jesus looks at these guys and, and basically what he's saying is, guys, look at what Scripture says. Everything is happening just as God said it was going to happen. Why are you shocked? Why are you surprised? Why are you crying in your soup? Everything's happening according to plan. And then he begins to walk them through the scriptures. Maybe he took them back before he got there 900 years to Psalm 22. Where in that psalm we see detail. A detailed description of what is going to happen to the Messiah, the Son of God, at the cross. That's not only before Jesus got here, that's before crucifixion existed. 
Or, or maybe he took them back 700 years to Isaiah 53, where again, not only do you see this detailed description of, of Jesus' death and his, even his burial and where that's going to be and what that's going to look like, but, but Isaiah, Isaiah 53 also kind of backfills for us. It not only gives us some details of what it's going to look like, but explains why. Why does somebody need to die for me? Why is my sin such a big issue? Why, why, would, a God, why, would, a, why would a God die for me? And so he's, he's walking them through all that, showing, hey, this is the plan, this is the plan, this is the plan. And while it's impressive to say 700 years ago, 900 years ago, it's quite possible that Jesus looked at him and said, hey, you remember what I told you a couple of weeks ago? Because before he and his gang even got to Jerusalem, Jesus says this to them in Luke 18.31. Taking the twelve disciples aside, Jesus said, Listen, we're going up to Jerusalem where all the predictions of the prophets concerning the Son of Man will come true. He will be handed over to the Romans. Check. He will be mocked, treated shamefully, and spit on. Check. They will flog him with a whip and they will kill him. Check. But on the third day, he will rise again. And that's a big check too, amen? He will rise again. So do you, do you see what Jesus is doing with these guys? He's saying everything is happening according to plan. You were told, you were warned, you were said, hey, here's what to be looking for. Now, I, I suppose somebody, I, I don't know if Cleopas and his friend would have, I, I suppose somebody could raise their hand right here. What was the plan? What's the plan that you're talking about? It, it, it's the plan to rescue Cleopas. It's the plan to rescue you and me from sin and death and hell. Because our sins have put us on a course of eternal separation from God. Eternal separation from His heaven. Do you realize on your very best day, on my very best day, we are so much not like God and not like His heaven. And Jesus came to correct that. Jesus came to pay for that. And upon doing so, He looks at you and me and He says, Belief. Let's continue reading verse 28. By this time they were nearing Emmaus. At the end of their journey, Jesus acted as if he was going on. But they begged him, stay the night with us since it's getting late. So he went home with them. As they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it to them. And about right now, the wheels are starting to turn. I've seen this somewhere before. <laughs> this looks all really familiar. Suddenly their eyes were open and they recognized him. And then he disappeared. God playing cat and mouse with Cleopas and his buddy there. I don't know really what that's all about. They're going to see him again later and they'll know who he is. But he disappeared right there. Verse 32. They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us? As he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us. You know what that burning is? That's hope being resurrected in their lives. 
Verse 33, and within the hour they were on their way back to Jerusalem. They found the eleven disciples and the others who had gathered with them who said, The Lord has really risen. Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. And with Jesus being alive, every hope, every hope is back on the table. It is okay to hope for justice. It is okay to hope for peace. To hope for life and life eternal. We can hope in that again. Jesus puts every hope back on the table. Man, I don't know about you folks, but I feel like in America, my opinion... I feel like in America, we, we have less hope than we've ever had before. L- less hope as, as individuals, less, less hope as a nation. And, and this lost hope in religion, this lost hope in, in government, the, this lost hope in what? The, the goodness of man? It's leaving people angry. Do you feel that? People are angry as I think I've ever seen so many people. Now, I'm not here today, actually, to talk about anger or, or to talk about our culture or where we are as America. I am here to say that Jesus is alive. And with Jesus being alive, we don't have to be angry anymore. We can hope again. And, and you know, for, you think about what, what is hope? What are we hoping in? Man, I'm hoping one day when I die, I'm going to rise again. I'm, I'm hoping that I'm going to get to see Jesus and God and, and I'm going to go to heaven. But, but folks, too often... We take this great hope of the resurrection and we leave it out there in the, in the sweet by and by and we forget that that hope has something for us right here in the nasty here and now. The hope of the resurrection will actually give you power and wisdom to navigate today's challenges and problems and issues. I'll be honest with you here. I'm kind of giving you a shameless plug for my series that starts next week. We're, we're, we're going to take three Sundays. And, but, but think about this, folks. I mean, Easter's going to end, right? We're going to go home. We're going to find the eggs, most of them. We'll eat. We're going back to school tomorrow. We're going back to work tomorrow. And, and so, you know, this whole thing, all this gathering, all this celebration, it's just, it, you know, it's over. And so at some point, you have to ask, now, now what? Or so what? And that's where... I think Jesus wants us to know, hey, listen, what I did there at the cross, what I did in rising again, yes, it's for, it's for the future, but it has something for you right here and now. And we're going to look at the power and the wisdom that the resurrection gives us next week to how we navigate relationships. The week after that, politics. The week after that, culture. Now, you may say, that's a kind of an odd accumulation of topics, well, I, I picked those three for this reason. I think there are three things that are just about heavy in everybody's heart. I mean, relationships always, right? There's always a relationship we're concerned about. Always a relationship we're trying to navigate. And just politics and culture right now. Ah, golly. Hey, I believe that the resurrection has a way for you and I to work through that. To navigate that. Listen, I don't, I don't know where you are on hope. No hope, filled with hope, the wrong hope, not even thinking about hope. But folks, Jesus has a hope for you. Not a, not a vague, generic kind of good feeling, 
But a very specific hope. A hope made confident by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. A hope that will indeed ultimately wipe away every tear from our eyes. A hope that will restore us into a relationship with the living God. A hope that, yes, will give us heaven, but a hope that also will help us navigate today. And upon providing that hope for you and me, Jesus says, believe. Believe. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 says that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, that doesn't mean just say these three words and magic happens. No, when you confess Jesus as Lord, you're confessing, I believe Jesus to be God. Therefore, I'm going to obey Him as God, follow Him as God, trust Him as God. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, Well, that's a stretch, isn't it? It takes faith to do that. But when I say it takes faith, I I don't want to be misunderstood. Folks, God is not leading you right up to the edge of a fairy tale and saying, can you believe in this? Kind of crazy, I know. God's not calling you to leap into a fairy tale. Yes, it takes faith to believe in the resurrection, but it's not a blind faith. It's not a stupid faith. See, it's a historical fact that the body was gone and missing. Hundreds of people went out. Hundreds of people verified that day, the next day, all the following week, the body was gone. Folks, there's about four or five, maybe six options of what happened to the body. And when you look at all the evidence, you really do come that the safest and most intellectual assumption you can make is that he rose again. It is that he's alive. If we believe that Jesus rose again. Now that's not just a belief that an event happened back there somewhere. That's a belief that God's plan worked. And it was proved in the resurrection. Remember God's plan? It's to rescue you and me from sin. And so when I'm believing in the resurrection, I'm saying this is now where I will put all my faith, all my hope, all my confidence. My confidence is not in how religious I am. My confidence is not in how good I am or how good I'm trying to be. My confidence is not if there's a God and if I stand before him, I sure hope he doesn't care about what I did. That's not what I'm hoping in. That's not what I'm, I'm confident in. No, no, no. We're confident That God has a plan. And that that plan was fulfilled successfully. Our hope is in what Jesus did for us at the cross. And in the resurrection. If we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. We believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead. Here's a promise. Here's a guarantee. We will be saved. That is the gift. Amen. That is the gift that Jesus extends to you, that He offers to you. And as He extends it, don't see a shy, quiet Jesus. Please, please, please take my gift. See the Son of the living God look at you and say, Believe. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, we have indeed gathered across two days, two campuses, six hours to worship you, to praise you, and to to give you thanks. Thank you, Jesus, for hope. 
thank you for a reason to keep going. And oh, Jesus, as I give you thanks for that hope, I realize that that kind of puts everybody in here in kind of one of two camps. We're, we're either a people who have placed hope and confidence and faith in you, or, or we've not. Lord, for those of us for whom you are our great hope, for those of us in that place, Lord, I pray for each of us that, that we are growing in you, we are thriving in you. God, we're sharing that hope, living that hope. We're, we're letting that hope navigate us and, and guide us through each and every day as we make our way toward heaven. Lord, for those in this room who've not yet come to that place, oh God, I pray that you would move and stir and work in their heart right now to, that they would hear your invitation, they would hear your call on their lives they would know this is what they need and today would be the day today would be the day they would begin a relationship with you and become a Christ follower it's in Jesus name we pray this amen amen